Thanks for listening to the Swearing In Podcast, where you'll hear the origin stories of those who chose to serve. So ground your gear, take a seat, and listen up. The Swearing In Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Swearing In Podcast. I'm your host, Marty Smith. My guest today is former Canadian Army Lieutenant, host of the Hard to Kill Podcast, and host of the Dave Morrow PT channel on YouTube, Dave Morrow. Dave was born and raised in Montreal, Canada. He graduated high school in 1999. Shortly after that, he joined the Canadian Army. He completed recruit training in 2001 and was assigned to the Canadian Grenadier Guards, a reserve infantry unit in Montreal. He deployed in 2010 to Kandahar, Afghanistan with the Royal 22nd Regiment, also known as the Van Dues. He deployed as part of an Influence Activities, or IA, unit, working in the Civilian Military Cooperation, or CIMIC, section. Dave later received a commission and became an officer. He left the military as a lieutenant in 2016. Now this concludes your pre-brief, so let's get on with the interview. My guest today is former Canadian lieutenant, host of the Hard to Kill podcast, and host of the Dave Morrow PT channel on YouTube, Dave Morrow. Dave, thanks for, uh, thanks for reaching out and thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate that. Absolutely, Marty. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I, you know, I just got grew tired with all the American Air Force, Army, and Marine stories, so had to go <laughs> up to Canada to find out what they're doing up there in the military. Uh, I was listening uh, to your first episode. You talked about being in the infantry, and you talked about going over to Afghanistan. So let's go back to how that all starts. All right, mm-hmm. but is it high school or secondary school up there? Uh, yeah, we. Well, it's province to province, so I guess I'll I'll stick to my province. Every place in Canada is a little bit different, but we have high school period, so it's that's grade seven to grade eleven. Okay. There's no there's no differentiation between the two. So, yeah, so I did high school here. I'm I'm from Quebec. I'm I'm actually in Montreal, just in the suburbs of Montreal. So, uh, yeah, we're in French Canada here. I'll, I do speak English very well, as you can tell. <laughs> I also I also speak uh, French. My family's. Uh, English here, but uh, my my actual family, my kids, my wife's francophone, so it's primarily French in the house. So I'm kind of like the, the oh. lone English English guy in here. Uh, it's cute. My kids translate for me when they're speaking in French to my wife, which I understand fully, but they think I don't. So that's that's cute. But uh, <laughs> a little bit of little well, bit maybe of you can keep Canadian. that card. You can keep that card in your pocket when they think uh, I will yeah. outsmart dad. And, <laughs> yeah, and right. Exactly. I mean, you got exactly. you, you got young kids, right? Uh, I do. Yeah, six and six and three. So that'll probably come in handy here in about five more years when they get. When they start doing the same things you did as a kid, so yeah, yeah, I hope they don't. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that <laughs> see it is how that inevitable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, did you grow up in Canada? That's where you went to I, school. I did. Yeah, I grew up, right. uh, born and raised here in Montreal, and I went to school here. Did university here. Joined the military here in the reserves with my regiment that called the Canadian Grenadier Guards. So, to give you a bit of context. Here in Canada, we've got regimental system, which is based off the British system. So we don't quite have units like you guys do. 
our regimental system is uh, very, I guess, uh, rooted in tradition and an old school British kind of ideology. So you join a unit, you kind of stick with them for quite a oh. while. And our, our, our regiments go back, you know, to typically uh, like our regiment is the first in Canada actually it goes way, way back. If you have a picture of the, um, the Grenadier Guards in England that do yeah. the changing of the guard with the red yeah, tunics, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're, we're the sister regiment of that unit. So we wow. have the exact same uniform It's just, we have a bit of Canadian stuff thrown yeah. in there. Yeah. So we do ceremonial duties in Ottawa. Uh, we used to actually until COVID hit, but we used to do the uh, changing of the guard on, par on parliament Hill in Ottawa. And we used to do the sentry uh, duties at uh, the governor general's residence. So I did that for a few years. I, I thought, Hey man, like I'll join the military. I was just out of high school. We have so it's again confusing. We have high school. Then here in my province, we go to college, which is two years, oh, which is technically okay. called CJEP. I won't get into the acronym. And then after that, if you want, you can go to university. So okay, I did, okay. yeah. So I did uh college here and I saw the recruiter, who's actually one of my buddies now, and he was dressed in a scarlet tunic. And I was with my best bud. I'm like, oh my God you know how many girls I'd pick up in that uniform? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they said on top of it, you're going to make $6,000 in the summer. I was like, sign <laughs> me up, bro. So it really? wasn't- did you have, did you have anything, any history of it? Oh, well, my grandfather- any military I, history in your family. Yeah, my, my grandfather fought in the second in the Italian campaign. Wow. And I have his medals and like his pictures and everything like that up on the wall. I, he passed away when I was three, so I never really got to uh, sure. connect with him. But that lore of him fighting the Italians and getting blown up, and I just, I was always fascinated by yeah, it. And yeah. that always stuck. I was always, you know, dressing up like G.I. Joe and watching G.I. Joe and really? playing guns. And uh, it, like that was growing up in the 80s. Uh, I was yeah. I, basically, I was like full on American, but I was a Canadian. I, you know, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> All, all the American stuff, which was essentially our culture as well, I was just so into Rambo and so oh, all sure, that stuff. Sure. Yeah, all that when stuff did you, really permeated me. Yeah. When did you graduate high school then? Or eleventh grade? Yeah, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, all that eighty stuff you're talking about, you grew up with. That's that's great because it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you're as old as me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in my I'm in my forties. I mean, I was a kid, but it really uh, left an impression on me. So then when I when was that 2000, uh, 2000, I started the process of joining. I did my recruit training in 2001 Okay, that summer. And we all know what happened in 2001 yeah. in September. Yeah. So I remember it was at football practice and the, the um, so if anybody's listening to this and they're, I guess, under the age of 30 or under the age of like 35, th there was really not any internet there was, but you had to go to like the library. Nobody had it on their phones. There was <laughs> a small little TV in the lunch area. So the it was news hit, groups. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like the planes were hitting the towers and nobody knew what the hell was going on. There was like a right. buzz, but it was like, Oh my God. And just, okay. You just go to class and I'm at football practice. And my buddy comes up. He's like, bro, dude, you're going to war. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, dude, go check the news. And I was like, oh my God. So yeah, I called my unit and they're like, well, we don't know what to do. So obviously something's happening. And then from there, it took uh, almost 10 years for me to actually see any wow. action. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, but uh, from, yeah, I did a lot of training here in Montreal. Uh, I did all my uh, army training 
all over basically North America, did some stuff over in the UK, did a lot of exercises in the US actually during the winter time. We go down to Florida, we go down to Mississippi, Jeez. we do our concentration exercises down there. And I'd always love to take, we always had these big exercises uh, for like a week and a half, two weeks yeah. uh, in the States. And it was right during our you know university like semester. I, I was a terrible student. So I said, yeah, I'll go on those exercises. <laughs> so it took me seven years to finish my degree, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I got, I had a great career and uh, I was released in 2016 because I got banged up uh, when I was overseas. So uh, since then I've, you know, I've been a high school teacher and I've worked in tech. Uh, and now I run two companies and wow. host a podcast. So it's been a, it's been a wild ride, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, uh, that's a great rundown. Now I'm going to go back and pick it apart, right? Um, right so how does the recruiting work for you guys? Now, the guy looked good, but does he sit down? Does he talk about possibilities? Do you have an em- entrance test? You know, the the U.S. Yeah. has its famous ASVAB, which kind of helps you or hurts you in the jobs you want to get after that. Does mm-hmm. Canada have something like that? Oh, yeah. I can't remember the name of it. I remember I had a a young dude asked me online, hey, the, and I was like, is that the IQ test? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you prep for it? <laughs> I said, I I don't know. I I didn't even know what I had to do until they called me on the phone. They said, all right, show up at the recruiting center this time and you're going to be doing this test. So yeah, I just yeah. showed up, you know, like the, the so there's, there is the, uh, I can't remember the name of our test, but it's an IQ test. And okay. uh, it's just to see what you want or qualify yeah. for just like right, you guys, right. but I only wanted to join the infantry. So, I mean, the only, oh. the only trade that was lower on the IQ uh, <laughs> scoring was cook, I believe. And I, uh, one of my good buddies, actually, he, he really screwed the pooch on the exam. So he had to join as a cook the first year and we still bust his balls. Cause I was like, dude, you're dumb. He's actually very <laughs> intelligent. And he just got nervous. Test. But uh, not to not to slam any cooks out there, but that was just something that uh, we uh, we used to bug my buddy about. So because well, I here, only here to in the U.S., there's a big bonus for cooks. Oh, okay. Well, I imagine. I mean, our cooks are like they're rock stars, man. Our our cooks, oh, yeah, they're so good. Yeah, we 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 are spoiled. We, until you go and deploy, you don't realize how good the food is in our military. It's wow. probably why we have like the fattest military in the planet. But that's <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Like when you have guys whipping up these like beef bourguignons and cakes, sure. and it's just it's incredible what they're able to do. So, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the <laughs> process was pretty straightforward. There was an interview. There was the IQ test. There was the physical fitness test, which was just basically the YMCA step test. Uh, I don't. Even, I think we had to do ten pushups, no pull ups, oh, and really? yeah, because don't like for us the military uh, is what we call it, like it's purple when you join. So it's they don't uh, identify whether or not you join the army, the air force. Oh, okay. Maybe, and you can't direct entry into um, spec ops or anything like that. So you just join the military and we're so yeah. small that everything goes through central processing. And so therefore you, everybody does the exact same test. Okay. So there's no differentiators. So therefore it's just a really basic test. I went to the YMCA, did it. And then that was it. Like paperwork was done in a few months. And then I was getting my gear at the base. That's not too far wow. from here. And I was, I was in. What'd, that, you, what'd your parents think? <laughs> you know, what's funny. I, I thought they were, well, I thought my mom was going to have a bigger reaction. I remember this so well. I, I, I remember going home and I said, Hey, ma, <laughs> I, uh, I signed, I signed up to the army and she went, Oh, Okay. It was oh. so, it was so, unevent- I was just thinking, what, 
oh no, because she's always very overprotective. Yeah, and so I right, thought it was going right. to be, I, and I, I like bugging her. I still like bugging her, right? She's 75. <laughs> I still bug her. And uh, she just said, yeah, okay. And I was just like, that's weird. I didn't get any more reaction than that. Uh, it's but kind of disappointing in a way. Yeah, it was kind of disappointing. I'll be honest. But it was, it was a whole other story when I deployed to Afghanistan in oh, 2010. Yeah. And so yeah, uh, then it, it kind of got real. So, uh, but aside from that, no, I, I, I really had a great experience joining. Everything was super smooth. And uh, I really, really loved being on basic training. I realized that this was my element and I realized that, uh, I'm actually good at this. Oh, just, yeah, yeah I, I was okay in school. I wasn't a great athlete, but this was something that I was actually pretty good at. Had you ever say, uh, obviously you were an athlete, so you didn't have any problem with the physical portion. Um, had you ever shot before? No, no, I'm, I'm a suburban kid. So, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I grew up more or less in the city. So, my experiences with kind of like the outdoorsmanship and like shooting and yeah, I, yeah. Had, I had no experiences with that. I was baseball and football, hockey, you know, high school shenanigans, but I didn't really have like a, a really like rugged upbringing. So that was my first taste of sleeping outside and yeah. You're like, a kid, with a you're like a kid yeah. in a candy store because you hadn't done any of that stuff, right? Yeah, it was all novel to me. I thought, oh man, and I, I showed up in, in shape because my buddy had joined before me and he just said, yeah, just get ready to run, man, and yeah, do push-ups yeah. and pull-ups. And so I said, okay, I can, I can prep for that. And I'm a tall guy, so running wasn't that big of an issue. And in my mind, I was showing up basically like on Bud's training. I, I was going to show oh, up and everybody yeah. was going to be machines, right? Everybody's going to be <laughs> a beast. So I was scared. So I was just cranking out push-ups, pull-ups, running. And then I showed up and then I realized, no, this is like, this is basic. This is the basic yeah. course. So yeah. I was really well prepared, which allowed me to uh, take on a little bit more on the leadership side of stuff and encourage guys and make sure they're ready. And I wasn't as tired and I wasn't as messed up from right. sleep depth and everything like that. So right. that translated in just me being more confident and then I uh, carried that on uh, throughout the rest of my career. Where was that training done at? Do you have different places, obviously, across oh, yeah. Canada? Oh, yeah. So our unit, because we're here in Montreal, but we did a lot of our training in Ottawa because we did our uh, ceremonial duties in Ottawa. We Oh, okay. We did, I did my training anyways in uh, what we call Connaught Ranges. So it's a, uh, it's a massive range. I think it's the largest shooting range in the Commonwealth. They do oh. all kinds of shooting competitions there. Yeah. It's, it's like kilometers of like shooting ranges. Jeez, so it's pretty nice. cool. Yeah. Um, and then the, uh, the special forces guys have a, have a range there as well. So that was kind of cool. Cause I, I was a kid, right. And yeah, yeah. you don't know anything. So 2001, the Canadian army still was wearing all of drab uniforms, like Vietnam era style. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was super ghetto. So, uh, <laughs> we have these like old school uniforms, right. And then these, uh, special forces guys, the, the JTF guys, that's our, uh, tier one unit they're there shooting and they've got rifles that i've never seen before yeah. their hair is long they're jacked oh. they've got the flannels on and combat pants and i'm like who are these guys and like what? is this a thing are they actually like yeah yeah those are the special forces guys and i was like oh my god i'm like how do i do that yeah and uh that was just a really cool experience like obviously we weren't allowed to talk to them and like we just like averted their eyes whenever oh really <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah like i was scared shitless of these guys right <laughs> sure. um now you know a lot of them are my friends but uh back in the day when you're a 19 year old kid and you of see course them, yeah 
with Oakley's on and beards. And you're just like, oh my God, like you can walk around with your rifle just like slung <laughs> in the mess hall. What is going on here? So that was a cool experience. And it gave me kind of a taste of like what the real guys are doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then from there, like we did training in, uh, there's a big base in uh, Petawawa, Ontario, where um, the uh, Reg Force uh, unit, uh, the Royal Canadian Regiment is uh, stationed. So they have two of their battalions there. Did a lot of training there as well. Um, and then all over Canada, like here in Quebec, we have a big base um, as well. And then, like I said, I did some training uh, down in the States and then out West as well, especially when we're wrapping up uh, before going overseas to Afghanistan. We have a big training center in uh, Wainwright, Alberta. So you joined, you said you joined as a reserve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do they do reserves like we do reserves, where it's no. one week in a month, that kind of thing? Or are no. you, is it just a status? You're really full-time, but it's just a status. Yeah, it's a little bit different uh, from what I understand because I was deployed with um, the 10th Mountain Division. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah. So I, I got to understand the, the American system a little bit better. So it, in comparison, if you, since you guys have you know your, your regular army, you have your guard, and then you have your reserves, mm-hmm. we're, I guess, kind of like a hybrid between all three as a reservist here. So uh, if I decide to go to work, let's say on a parade night, which would be typically a Tuesday night. Yeah, you go in for three hours. You might clean weapons. Might do some some professional oh, development. Okay, yeah, a little bit of PT and just kind of check in with your guys. Have a beer. See you later. Oh, really? Um, and then on the weekend. So typically, there's definitely more than one weekend a month. Is closer to like two weekends a month. You'd have just a training exercise. So we'd go in the woods, <laughs> wouldn't sleep all night, uh, and then maybe shoot guns, do some patrolling. <laughs> Uh, dig some holes, you know, like typical army stuff, typical infantry yeah. stuff, trying to keep our skills sharp. And then uh, you'd have on the summer, just a, a long period where we do either your career courses. So you go on leadership training, or you would teach on a course once you're a leadership trained uh, leadership company, or you get ready to go overseas. So if you decide that you want to work a little bit longer, not just do kind of one-off days and just do a contract, we have different types of contracts for reservists. So some guys are reservists, but they're full-time. They just chose to work yeah. at a certain brigade or division or unit for a certain period of time because the contract's out. Okay. And then if you wanted to deploy, you would sign a different contract, which we call a Class C contract, which is a full-time contract. You're employed for you know two years, full-time. Okay. And you're basically a full-time soldier, but you still belong to your reserve unit. So we don't deploy reserve units like uh, you would or guard units like you would as a whole to you know, a theater of operations. Individuals from these reserve units find and plug holes in the units that are deploying, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. It's uh, as needed kind of thing. That's right. Are you in the Army? You're completing your degree. Um, at the end of, well, you, you said you, your degree took a little longer than normal, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah seven <laughs> well, years. Seven years for a four-year degree, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Again. Yeah, you got your money's worth. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's your full-time gig then? Is, is it the Army? Um, so back then, I paid for all my schooling, my apartment, my car, everything with my Army reserve pay. Okay. So that allowed me to go to school. I mean, school here in Quebec is really cheap, like compared to what you guys pay in the States. I was paying 2,500 Canadian dollars a semester. Yeah. So, you know, that including books and then the rest paid for my, you know, apartment and stuff like that. So I was pretty lucky on that front. And uh, so once I 
left. Like once I finished school, I was a teacher. I was a high school teacher. That okay. was what I decided I wanted to do. So I was doing that as a, on a substitution level for a little bit uh, before I deployed. And then when I came back, that was my full-time gig. I taught high school science and math for six years after yeah. I came home from Afghanistan. And that was you know what I figured I was going to do the rest of my life. But uh, turns out uh, you uh, you end up going down a different path, and then what you thought was going to be you know <laughs> be all and end all is no longer that. But you know I got into entrepreneurship because of my uh, you know I I got released because I was injured and I wasn't in a good place, and I just knew teaching was not the right place for me, and I had to make a decision and decided I'm getting out. I need to do something different, and that just led me to what I'm doing now. I think I thought you were very honest and very clear on your opening episode about how the, you know, the draw to do something more fulfilling uh, was eating at you and that uh, you didn't, you know, you were, you were tired of dreading the job. And I, I think we've all been there as well. Uh, you want to look forward to something and lean a little bit more forward, get back around uh, your community. I think you said, um, what's the term that you said on your podcast about the, uh, you use it at the end of your podcast. So there's like a shout out to somebody, some community. I can't remember. Sheepdogs. Or oh, the sheepdog community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sheepdogs. Yeah, yeah. What is um, that? Actually, that? Yeah, that's borrowed from uh, Tim Kennedy and uh, Dave Grossman. So the sheepdog community, I first heard about it from uh, Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel. <laughs> you can say Lieutenant. I know you're. I know you're from another you guys, country. Yeah, it's guys. okay. <laughs> I can translate uh, you guys, that. You guys, you guys are going to get. You're going to get uh, comments like it's. It's pronounced Lieutenant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I still don't understand why there's a a eft in Lieutenant. Uh, for I, and whatever I, I've you tried guys... to figure it out, but that's just the way it is. It's, it's not spelled that way, but I know I'd argue like no, neither is Colonel, but yeah, you know, that's true. There's, that's a good there's an R in there. So that's I don't know. I, I blame Napoleon for, for all of that. So, um, <laughs> so the question was, uh, the sheepdog community. Yeah. The, the term sheepdog I got from, uh, uh Lieutenant Colonel, uh, Dave Grossman, who in his book on killing and, uh, on combat, he uh, described the, the community as basically you have uh, the wolves, the sheep, and the sheepdogs. And oh, okay. the sheepdogs are the folks in the military, the police, EMS professionals, like those individuals that keep watch, right, yeah, of right. the sheep. Right. So the, the the civvies that are doing their thing, they're going to work. So you have to have your sheepdogs because there's plenty of wolves out there. And if you don't have the sheepdog, the wolf is able to prey on those sheep. Sure. So you get to pick, like, do you want to be a sheep or do you want to be a sheepdog? Uh, uh, I like it. If you decide to be sheepdog, there's a certain responsibility with it. So, you know, all of us that serve, we be called sheepdogs because we decided that we were going to sacrifice yeah. for our countries or, and then, you know, police and everything like that. They do the same thing for their communities. So it's just an homage to, to his term and you know, a bunch of other guys have, have picked up the term as well. And I, I like it. I think it uh, represents well what we do. It's a much better, a much more poetic description uh, to describe what we do. I, I agree. Mm -hmm. So, was there ever an opportunity for you to go special operations? Oh yeah, that's like one of my biggest regrets that I'm 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 working on. I'm working, I'm really? working on letting go. Yeah, I'm working okay. on letting go. Um, it was uh, it was something that I, like I said, I was just fascinated as soon as I saw them because I had no contact with the military world right as, until I joined, and then I start 
getting exposed to these different units and different capabilities. And I didn't even know we had special forces. My context around special forces was basically only the Navy SEALs because of the movies, Charlie Sheen, that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Charlie Sheen, wow, you went way back. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) So I don't, I I, I guess it it just started from, from that. And then I decided, because I knew that you had to have a minimum of two years as a reservist before you could apply. So I was like, okay. all right, this is what I'm going to do. So in secret, I just started running my guts. I didn't know, there was no training plans. This was 2002, 2003. There's really nothing like we have now because the internet wasn't really that big, oh, right? Yeah. There wasn't, there, the, the, to pull the resources and to figure out what to do, you had to find a guy that went or that went and failed. And sure. most of the guys wouldn't say anything. So you're kind of like, well, how do I even apply? What do I do? So I was just like, look, I'm just going to get super fit okay. and then I'm going to yeah. apply. But uh, be- I didn't, uh, I, re- I recognize now I didn't, uh, because I didn't reach out, I never got a mentor. And that's what I really needed Yeah. because I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, had I applied and gone, I, I probably would have learned a lot, but I definitely would have failed because I didn't work on any strength. I didn't know the standards well enough. So I was just running as fast as I could for as long as I could doing push-ups, stuff like that. But yeah. uh, I wasn't working on the the key components that were uh, necessary for uh, for myself to be a you know a special forces warrior. And that was the only unit we had that I knew of at the time. We've since uh, you know uh, added a few more in Canada. Uh-huh. But um, it yeah, it was definitely something that I was I had my eye on, and uh, I just never I never saw it through. And I even had a that, a, a chance encounter with uh, with the unit when we did a. Um, we did a uh, a training exercise, and I was the enemy force commander. Oh, nice! With a bunch of with a bunch of uh, young privates, and uh, I got to kind of you know we had paintball rounds and stuff like that. Well, sure, it was a lot of fun, you know. So uh, I got to l- link up with the you know the guys from the unit, the, the from the JTF that were running the exercise and making sure that things were running well and stuff like that. And uh-huh. so you know we got to chat and stuff like that. And and one of the operators he turns to me, he's like, "Hey, you know what, Dave? You're you're pretty switched on guy, man. Have you ever thought about joining?" I was like, I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, why don't you put your application?" I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. I don't." And I re- <laughs> I realize now, like that's my that was my sign. Like that was that was it, man. Like I should have taken that and been like, "Hey, you know what?" I am. I just don't know what to do. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't. And so, you know, why do you think that, why do you think that was, I was immature and I was, uh, I was scared. I was super scared because for me, I I didn't know, I I hate doing, uh, and this is actually something I've, I've grown through is I always hated doing something for the first time and not being amazing at it. And so that helped me. Yeah. Yeah. That held me back from a lot of things. And then it was just through, you know, trials and tribulations that I realized, wait, I got to get rid of this because it's just holding me back from doing a whole bunch of stuff. Namely, like what I'm doing now, I know I suck when I started. Like I know I sucked <laughs> at podcasting. I know I sucked at coaching. I know that's the point. I can't get better unless I, I I try. So that's where I've grown and I've used that as a as a motivator for me. Like I had that opportunity, I didn't take it. I'm not going to let that happen. You know, for the you know for the foreseeable future. Because I've had that experience and I, I, I recognize it, that it was a, it was a big sign and I didn't capitalize on it. So I try to help other guys, um, and gals that, that, that come through my, you know, my yeah. world, if they're considering it, I go, look, do not hesitate, go get ready, put in your application. Don't think, oh, I'll do it in a year. I'll do it in six months. I'll do it. No, no, no. Make the plan, start working on it now and execute. Right. right. So what if you fail? Most people don't even decide, like myself, to even put the application in. So do that, and you'll be a million times better for doing it. When do you think that introspection 
where you kind of realize that about yourself kind of hit? Was it maybe recovering from your injuries? Was it just oh, yeah. uh, uh, oh, where yeah. you all you got is nothing but time to think? <laughs> yeah, that, that's you know? that's exactly what that's exactly what it was. I I still had a lot of uh, growing up to do, so it was a combination of yeah, being injured and having my my first kid, being oh, yeah. married, That'll getting a house. Right, right. Yeah, so I guess I realized that after having a child, getting married, you know, having you know, a, a suburban life, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. being, being injured, not really taking it seriously, having a career that I was definitely unsatisfied with all those factors combined. And then yeah. it all kind of came to a head when I just, my back locked up at work. And oh no. I, I couldn't get, I, I couldn't get out of the locker room. We had a locker room uh, where I was teaching. So I worked out and then I was just literally putting on my pants and then just, it just rocked me. Like, I've never, I've never had that happen before. And That's it was scary. destabilizing. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't move if you ever had your back lock up and I was <laughs> sweating. And so, uh, my, uh, my coworkers, my buddies thought I was joking. Of course. Like, dude, I'm like, guys, I'm not joking. They're like, but, uh, you gotta go teach. I'm like, yeah, I know it's going to be a bit of an issue. <laughs> so, uh, they like, they went up to the, uh, to the uh, staff lounge and we had some priests on staff and they had like walkers, something brought me down a walker. It was so humiliating. So wow. they brought me down a walker. I got a walker and I got, uh, finally we had a little elevator. So we got in the elevator, uh, and then I taught that whole day and you the did. end of the day. Yeah, well, I kind of had no choice because uh, I, at the end of the day, I had a major presentation. I was doing my master's at the time, oh, and uh, I had a. It was a hundred percent presentation. It was my entire semester in that one presentation. So you know, I've been working all semester for. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to go home because if I go home, I know I'm not going to get out of bed. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to stay at work. I'm going to take some pills. I'm just going to, you know, get her done. So I, I finished the day, and then you know, my wife came to pick me up, and she again thought I was joking too because I could barely shuffle my feet. And she was oh, laughing geez. at me. She's like, what's that? I'm like, I'm not joking. She's like, cause I'm always kind of lighthearted and laughing and stuff sure, like that. Sure. But once and I was stuck in bed for about three days and it was, it was, it was hard on the ego. And I realized I had to change. So I knew I had to change physically. And then I said, well, if I'm going to change physically, I might as well change like who I am fundamentally. And wow. I had to dissolve my ego, get rid of all that baggage. And then that's just been the process ever since, because I knew I didn't want to be stuck in pain, miserable the rest of my life. And I wanted to make sure that my kids saw like the best part of me. And that was, that was it, man. And that's where I just started the journey. I started reading. I started listening to different podcasts. I started just opening myself up to all the different experiences that I was closed off to because in my mind, I was still like the senior NCO, hard ass, typical like army guy. Oh yeah. That doesn't need all that dippy dippy esoteric woo woo stuff. But then I started realizing, (laughs) oh boy, I need to be a lot more open-minded. And that's yeah. Six years ago. Yeah. And that really fundamentally changed who I, who I am and, and, and what I do. That's a hell of a revelation to come to. And you say it very cavalierly, but that couldn't have been easy to just, I'm just going to change. Okay. I'm a new guy now. You know, I, I know you're saying it deadpan that way, but it was obviously a still an ongoing process for you, right? Oh yeah. It's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because especially your ego to be yeah. able to put it aside yeah. and say, I don't know what I don't know. That was the hardest thing. And, and it's, it's, t- so and it's tough because your early part of your career is your ego is what helped you to be successful in that, in that environment, right? 
Oh yeah. You got to be an NCO. You got to lead people and you were probably pretty good at it. I would imagine. Uh, okay, but, yeah. but you, that way to operate under the military, obviously it always doesn't work when you get out of the military or it definitely doesn't work with your family. Right. That's so right. to realize that to go, Oh, okay, let's, let's, let's do some uh, course correcting here. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Precisely. There was that, what you just said, the military style leadership, there are elements that help in everyday life and sure. working with your family, but overall, it's not a it's not a great leadership style to be using no. with your family. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of things that can be misinterpreted. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, having like the mission type uh, mindset uh, right. can right. run you into a little little bit of problems when you're dealing with a three year old. You know, so um, you have to be a little bit more open, as you know, you've had kids, so it's yeah. just, you got you got to be you got to be able to be flexible. And uh, one thing I've learned too, you know, with kids is they're not the same. <laughs> they're two different oh, beings. God, yeah, what yeah. works with my son doesn't work with my daughter. And right. that's the same with human beings in general. And so once you get that perspective, you know, um, just like when I train and folks or when I have my coach train me, like everybody's a little bit different. You can have general ideas of how to do things, but everybody's going to need a kind of finesse touch to to get the best results. And that's, that you know, that's what I've realized over the years that there's just not one thing that works for everybody. It's right. really everybody's right. got kind of a hodgepodge mismatch of, of everything else. Well, let's talk about uh, your deployment. Mm-hmm. All right. How long? How long before you went? Did you get notified that? Um, I, I don't know what do they call it. Calling up, calling you up, or no? Uh, you know no. how do they do that? No, we have to. We have to like fight for a position. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to. When we call them rotos. So uh, I was on uh, for rotation, right? Oh, okay. So uh, I was on roto three ten. So that was the third rotation in 2010. Okay. So there, there's typically Easy numbering ro- system. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, so I initially wanted to go to Bosnia. We had rotations that were well, really? open. Yeah, in, in 2001, and I'm I made an error there too. Well, I mean, maybe it wasn't an error. Who knows, right? I mean, I I I said I don't really want to go because I was asked by my. Um, but like I guess we call it squad leaders. We call them section commanders. He was going overseas and he'd tr- just finished training me. And he asked, Hey, we've got spots. Would you like to come? Oh. And I said, uh, I want to finish my school. He goes, okay, no worries. In hindsight, I probably should have gone. And it, it seemed like it was a really good tour. It was not a combat tour like Afghanistan. It was kind of the winding down of the, yeah, uh, it's the another the country. War. It's uh, yeah, nice. exactly. Exactly. So everybody that went, you know, they had a, they had a, a good, like real army experience. Like you were still doing patrols and stuff, but it wasn't war fighting like Afghanistan. Sure. So, uh, I missed that one. Then I applied for another one. I got bumped by someone with more seniority. Oh, and so wow. when Afghanistan came around, yeah, cause there's only so many spots for reservists because I no if, Oh yeah. Cause uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's so few of us. And then, when there is something, everybody wants to go because a deployment is they're few and far between. We don't have a lot of wars to go fight. So those that are keen and want to actually experience fighting or or just military life deployed, when they pop up, it's all hands on deck. Like let's go. Who who's does available? It, does it uh also benefit your career paperwork wise to show, hey, I've I've been deployed, I've done this, I've done that? You know, I'd like to the, well, the American military is very much about that. Yeah. yeah. So for sure, for the regular army, for the regular uh, military, yes, for sure. 
But for the reserves, no, not at all. Because okay. I would even say some the opposite, which is unfortunate. There's kind of like a, a perverse incentive to not go. Because I, what I've noticed is that the, the guys that did go over, uh, they were like we would come back, and there's this kind of animosity between the the guys that didn't go and the guys that did go. Sure. So the very few of us that did go we had war experience where yeah. we shot at people. We got shot at, we did war stuff. Right. And then a lot of the senior staff, well, they'd never done anything. They'd never been deployed. They didn't have the opportunity to deploy when they were younger. And so it created this disconnect. Wow. And so a lot of us younger guys, and I think the same thing's happening to the American military with like leadership and stuff like that, because the senior, senior leadership, they didn't fight in Vietnam now. And then right. they right. weren't LTs or captains during Afghanistan and Iraq. They were kind of in this middle zone. Yeah. So there's going to be that disconnect between the leadership levels and it's happening here too in Canada. So those that stayed back typically got promoted faster because oh we, my we, we don't get we don't get promoted on tour when you're a reservist. When you come back and you're probably, you know, a year, maybe two of just kind of recovery and kind of getting back in the swing of things and yeah. you're not going on leadership courses, you're not doing a, a career courses. So those that don't go, they do those courses. So they get ahead. And so you see this like this kind of gap of those that didn't go are at the higher levels and they've got promoted. And the guys that did go, well, they might be a little bit banged up. They're a bit slower in the career progression, or they just get out. And so it, it so was interesting. It was, yeah. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate that we didn't do more to hang on to all that corporate knowledge of the warfighters that went over. Yeah. And that was kind of something that soured me was there wasn't a real push when I was, uh, I was hurting yeah. to kind of, you know, gather around and be like, Hey, Dave, like, seriously, what's, what's really going on, man? Like you, this is really out of sorts for you. We really like to keep you on board. Is there something we can figure out for right. you to do? That's not necessarily in like the infantry role. Maybe we can keep you around an admin. Maybe we can find another spot, but we really want to, and not just me and everybody else that was kind of in the same boat as me, they just kind of let them all go. Um, and that's unfortunate because that, that knowledge, once you lose it, you can't yep. get it back. You need another war in order right. to get it back. Right. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. We do that too, except in in the U.S., we just deploy you to you choose to get out. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. okay, I'm yeah, on my fifth out. one. Is like, ah, man, maybe I should get out by now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you got on, right? So you're you're in now. You're you're going. How long did you get to train up before you went? So, well, I mean, like, you know, I was in the military ten years. So I was already a sergeant before I, I got a shot at deploying. And what's cool is that I got to pick. The job I wanted, and oh, okay. we, we we have this. Um, so I I didn't feel comfortable going as a an infantry sergeant because for us that meant we I would have been mechanized, and I oh, have no really? I have no experience uh, being a mechanized uh, troop commander. So I was just like, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. And it would have been all in French too. So no, thank oh, you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, because I, I I'm I'm from Quebec, so I was going with the Quebec battalion here, the the Royal Twenty oh. Second Regiment, the Vendus. So I said no. Uh, I got to find something that's more suited to my personality. And we have this unit, part of the influence activities, which includes PSYOPs, uh, HUMINT, and the other unit was uh, CIMIC, so uh, Civilian Military Cooperation. Uh -huh. So I said, you know what? This suits my personality a lot better. I'm going to be interacting with the locals every day. I'm going to be building projects. I'm going to you know, do my thing. I need that. I'm not going to be in charge of, you know, a bunch of troops. I'm not going to really have any oversight. I like this. Oh. So it was cool. It was really cool. Uh, I basically got to walk around my entire tour with a sack full of money. 
<laughs> and uh yeah signed contracts and like worked with like spec op guys and it was it was a cool go so it took eight months of lead up training um before i left so you this was so, did you say intel essentially is what it was it so it was so i was part of the influence activities group so that oh, included influence activities. yeah Sorry. so it's part of what we call the ia cell so influence activities had three units so it had the uh, human intelligence unit i had the psyops unit and i had oh. us the simic unit now the the tricky dance i had to do was i couldn't be perceived as a an intel gathering asset because it would it'd be hard for me to do my job and gain the trust of the local population if i'm like oh, hey yeah. let's build this that and the other and they're like yeah i don't know dave <laughs> i pretty pretty sure you just want access to us so that you can like take pictures of us and then freaking send the guys to knock our doors down so yeah. i had to yeah negotiate that um delicate balance when i was over there but um so it was eight months of pre-deployment training which was okay i mean it was it was it was a lot of lead up uh, i didn't get the i guess the the experience that i was expecting to get a lot of that could have been cut down in my opinion there's a lot of just waiting around a battalion kind of not doing oh, much yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, you know what? I paid off all my student debt. So cool. Thanks. And then um, once I got over, I was just like, I was really eager to to do my job. So sure. I guess it, it did, did good for me to get ready and like anticipating the, the, uh, the tour in that sense, I was just bored out of my mind. I'm like, just send me over there like right now. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so that was, that was, that was basically, it. Yeah, most of us do that. And then you have a big concentration exercise for like a month out in Wainwright, Alberta, which is just like in the middle of the prairies, just looking at like Buffalo all day. And we did our, uh, oh, yeah. like, battle, uh, inoculation with like the CF 18s and the, oh, you know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the leopard tanks and everything like that. So it was like, we got like the full on like war experience, um, sure. you know, running up beside the tanks and stuff like that. And that was pretty cool. Like it just kind of gets you ready for like, the loud noises <laughs> and stuff of war. So it does. that was like, the, that was the, that was the best part about the whole exercise. It was like a day of doing that. And I was like, cool, oh, this is what's going, war is going to be like, it, that's not what war was like for me, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not here nor there. But you got to inhale all the carcinogens that will uh, affect you later oh, yeah. in life anyway. So. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And the concussion, the, yeah. of, like the, the, <laughs> the right. being next to the tank when the main gun goes off. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah, that's that loud. is a big bang. Yeah, it's right. crazy. <laughs> so let's visit your mom real quick. And how did she take you being deployed? A little bit oh, worse of a reaction than you joining up? So I don't know how you guys do deployments, but at uh, the battalion, we, you'd have chalks that are going out, right? So yeah. you just, you know, everybody gets on a flight and so what they did is like in the gym for the battalion, you show up for your you know flight departure and yeah. everybody's there with their family and their friends and their kids and everything like that. And there's bouncy castles to try to make it like fun oh, for the kids and stuff really? like that. But you know, you're going to war. Yeah. And the, the energy, I'll never forget that day. It was, it was because I, I'm an only child too. So uh, oh. I said, yeah, I said goodbye to my mom and dad just outside the battalion because I knew going in, if I had to like walk, I, I wouldn't have been able to hold it together. So yeah, like with yeah. the kids crying and all that, I was like, I'm just going to say goodbody out here. And that's that. So yeah, it was emotional. It was emotional. Yeah, it was emotional. My mom was very emotional. My dad was like just holding it together, right? As yeah. you know, the stoic dad would. Um, and then that was that. So I just basically kept my head down and uh got on the plane and it was just like the quietest plane ride over, right? Like, oh, yeah. Especially. Absolutely. 
especially all the, like the moms and dads that are, you know, just saying goodbye to their kids. Uh, that was, yeah, a very quiet plane ride over to, uh, to Germany. And then we bounced over to, I think we bounced over to Cyprus and then into theater. So, okay. um, yeah, and that was it. Uh, then I, I showed up on, uh, so Canadian football, the Grey Cup, uh, was uh, being played that day <laughs> oh, with wow. my team. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the Montreal Alouettes, and they they won the Grey Cup. I, I so I show up, I go to Canada House. I'm with my buddy. It's his third tour, so he knows everything and he knows everybody. He's like, yeah, yeah, come. So we were watching like the big screen TV, and I was yeah. watching my team win the Grey Cup, and I was like, dude, oh, this is that's amazing. Awesome. War's, yeah. ama- War's amazing. The Dutch weren't <laughs> far away. They were having a party because they were finished there. Like they just finished in 2010. Like they were done the war. Like that was it they're done oh, man. so they were partying and drinking and i'm like what's going on like is it did, is this not the right theater of operations like <laughs> eh, it's just the dutch they're done don't worry about that so <laughs> that was my first experience like in theater in kandahar airfield which was like partying drinking really beautiful dutch women and uh oh, yeah. the montreal what's winning the great cup and then obviously then a few days later it was yeah. my strong point and the, the real war began from there when did you get to kandahar it, like what so part I of the le- year? Oh yeah, so I left on uh, November twenty seventh, and oh, I, I yeah, I'm guessing, I'm guessing I got there in December. I I, okay. I don't know, I lost track of time. I think it took two days to get into Kandahar. So you know, with the time change and stuff like that, and changing flights, I'm pretty sure I got there like on, just on the third thirtieth of November, uh-huh. and then I was I was on my strong point by the third or fourth of December. So, so you didn't, it wasn't the winter. Let's let's open the plane door and that big sledgehammer of heat hits you. No, no, it was actually it was cold, quite nice. We man. got there in the middle of the night, and I was like, oh, "Hey, this okay. is, yeah." I was like, "Hey, this isn't so bad. This is like 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 ten degrees. This is like fall back home. This yeah. is perfect." Yeah. So I was there, yeah, throughout the the, the winter, uh, which was fine, and then yeah, I, I left in July, so I got the I got the heat wave. Oh, you did. In May. Yeah. Yeah. So six months deployment. Uh, eight actually. I had an eight. So our our deployments. Oh, eight. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, eight. our okay. deployments were a little bit longer. Uh, for the the like for the end of the our mission. Um, so eight months was yeah it was stretch. Most of ours were six months, but mine was was eight just because it was the last combat mission. So it was the last row oh. that uh, was doing like active war fighting. So did you uh, know that at the time? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, that, wow. that was the thing. Like we we were like. You know, Obama had had said, "Hey, we're pulling out." In I, he he mentioned like the date, right? And everybody's like, "Well, what the hell?" Like, yeah, that you're was you're setting a, a limit to that. And so then we hopped on the bandwagon and said, "Yeah, 2011, we're out too." <laughs> and so it right. just made it made it so weird. It was just such a weird thing to be doing. And I kind of understood it, but I also didn't know why we were there. I was there when Osama bin Laden was killed, and I remember joking yeah. with the sergeant major. I'm like, "Hey, hey, dude!" I'm like, uh, "Norm." <laughs> We get to go home, bro. He's like, get back out to your strong point. I'm like, no, but this is why we're here, are we? <laughs> so nah, just yeah, right. little incidents like that. And I remember sitting on my strong point and watching the the convoy of Canadian vehicles leaving, like oh, almost like like like, like a, almost like a vic- like a victory parade, but in reverse. <laughs> you know? Wow. And yeah, Canadian flags. I was like this is surreal. I was watching it from the top of a school. I was like, this is surreal, man. Like this is, this is historic, but also I don't think anybody cares. It's just a weird feeling. It was a super weird feeling. I'm like, well, you know, we did all this work here and now we're just kind of like rolling out and God knows what happens. And we didn't know what happened two years ago. Right. It was just a complete and utter disaster. So uh, do you want to talk about what happened? How you got hurt? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing epic. I wasn't knee deep in grenade pins. I was. Uh, you don't have to be, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. most most of the army's, uh, you know, disability comes from non combat related accidents. So. Exactly. Exactly. So. I was in theater and I just went to go pick up my gear and my back herniated. It went like, bang. I was like, oh shit, what the hell is that? Oh, it did? Just yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was uh, obviously just not, I wasn't tracking that I wasn't doing things right. I was fit, but not fit in the right ways. And I'm a tall dude, right? I'm 6'4". That, so- did, oh, wow. Did that come from uh, the way you were lifting or? Oh, yeah. It was, it was just, year, I was, what, 29 at the time. It was just years of not knowing what I didn't know and not training huh. properly, not reinforcing my core and not knowing that I was super weak down my midline. Like all these things that I do now yeah. that I help guys work on now is kind of why I have my business. I just don't want other folks to go down the same path. It's totally preventable. That's the, that's the thing that was annoying is totally preventable. Yeah. And then I fell off a, I fell, <laughs> I fell off a wall and just like jammed my knee up pretty bad. And so, um, well, that's what, get, you fell off a wall. Yeah, yeah. I was, it was, <laughs> so like uh, uh, Afghanistan is just like there's walls everywhere, right? Yeah, those so, low walls. Yeah, right, right. And you know, I'm I'm 200 plus pounds, and I've got about 80 pounds of gear on me, and so oh, yeah. you know, you're hopping over. I'm like, I got this. And then yeah. uh, I was one of the first guys over, and you don't realize some of the walls, like you, you may be going over oh, that chest height, but then on the other side, it's like two times body height. Oh, I got you. And so yeah. you're, you're going over and you're trying to keep a low profile, you know, trying to stay tactical. Like, yeah. and then you go over and I go, Oh shit. And then you just kind of tumble over. Uh -huh. Um, I swore a little bit in French, the guys loved it. And then, uh, that was that, <laughs> you know, there's just ibuprofen, uh, for the yep. rest of the tour. Yeah. So, you know, and then the, the, the other thing was just psychologically, like near the, um, near the end, like I was getting kind of jaded and when I went, uh, over, why, so, why, well, why do you think I, I, I just, I, I didn't see, I didn't see a point anymore. Oh, I, I, yeah. You know, I said, are we here to win a war or are we here yeah. just to kind of play patty cake? Because, uh, this doesn't make any sense anymore. I don't like Osama bin Laden's dead. We have all this infrastructure here. Why are we fighting in this area? Why are we doing that? And so I had all these questions and I bulletproofed my mind enough for like combat. I yeah. said, you know what? I'm going to be ready for this. I'm ready for you know, blood, guts, everything like that. But what's, what flanked me, and this is what I learned is that typically if you're, you're going to have like a traumatic incident, it's the stuff that you're not expecting to experience that will outflank you and it'll cause uh, some turmoil. Yeah. And it was the, it was the abuse of children that really affected me because I was, uh, um, I, w I was really involved with the uh, creation and opening of schools when I was over there. There's a literal school that our strong point was built around. So I got to, and I'm a teacher. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. I, I was going into the school regularly to help out. Like they were teaching me Pashto. I was teaching them a little bit of English. Wow. I'd bring them supplies. Uh, I had fundraisers back home to help them get a school sign and get all kinds of stuff into the school. You know, I got them desks, everything like that. So like I was connected, like I was part of the community and like yeah. these kids, like they were, you know, we would go out and play and like, it was a lot of fun. And it was like a, a moment of, of joy in this whole chaotic like war mess right uh -huh. and i really appreciate that and then i realized well there's uh attacks that were happening taliban were attacking the children going to the school they were putting out yeah, the kids horrible. got killed it's like i was like how do we go murder everybody right now because you know like when you start sure. attacking kids it's like okay you know what you want to attack us that's fine but you start going after these kids uh, -uh. uh so 
they're like the wind, right? How do you find, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was a really, it's not like the yeah. Germans and the, and the allies, you, you couldn't tell who, who, who's who in the zoo. And then, um, <laughs> then we got some videos of, you know, just flat out child abuse, molestation, everything like that, that was going on. And I, the kids that were in the school that I knew. And then I was just like, okay. Oh no, you knew like, them. So yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so it's like, okay. And, and the people are involved are the, the local like leadership. So it's like the police chief, the, leader of the town, the mullah, like, you're just like, oh my, and it's like, okay, this goes against every value, every moral yeah, that yeah. we have as a, as a, as a Westerner. Yeah. How do we go murder everybody now? Cause that's <laughs> the only, like, that's the only like sentiment that you could have in sure. that war setting. It's like, okay, well these, these assholes, like, what do we do? Like this, this would mean you would go to jail for a long time here. What are we doing about it here? And, you know, chain of commands like, well, our hands are tied. It's their country. They're doing what they want. We're not their police. And if the police chief is there, Yes, it's okay. And it's like yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't rationalize that. I'm like, well, then maybe we shouldn't be fighting a war here. You right. Know? So that was that that was hard, and that that that's taken a lot of time for me to kind of let go and 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 be okay with. But those were the, the those were the main things that um, you know uh, hurt me the most when I was over there. So sure. that's um, that's why I'm, you know, and, and I'm thankful for it because it, it forced me to start working on myself and to like you know work on the anger and work on the frustration and and do more so that I can. Uh, use it as a force for good and not just yeah. like dwell and feel like a victim uh, from that point on. Uh, it's, it's hard to digest. And I can 100%. see how that would leave some lasting scars that you have to work through uh, without just going, you know, over the edge. So at least you, you mm -hmm. channeled all that frustration and energy uh, into what you're doing now. So uh, mm -hmm. you want to take a second and plug what, uh, programs you have going now, not only your your podcast and your YouTube channel, uh, but what do you offer people on your fitness side? Mm, yeah, yeah. Thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, the main effort. So my my stated goal is to help a hundred thousand veterans lose two million pounds. Oh wow, that's great. Uh, uh, and the reason for that is because there is a direct correlation between being overweight and obese and mental health. And if I can help change that we could have a much better mental health landscape and a much healthier community because fundamentally i think that we and when i say we i mean the veteran population is because we had a, a bunch of wars that went on over you know 20 25 years yeah it wasn't like the second world war it's very different we were right. different pockets of the of uh, of society uh didn't really experience or, or get affected by it and therefore we have this disunification because of it, we were deployed all to a bunch of different places. And unfortunately, a lot of us suffer on our own. What yeah. I'm trying to do is get the community together, get everybody healthy, because a healthy individual can do a hell of a lot more. And we have so much to give back, but I was suffering. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't get out and do podcasts. I couldn't be the, the, the man I wanted to be in public because physically I just wasn't doing well. Yeah. So that's why I do the podcast. That's why I do the training programs. I ultimately want you to get healthy and fit so that you can take the next step, whether it's, you know, writing books, whether it's just being a good dad, whether it's being a part of the community and like being on the home and school committee, it doesn't matter. It's just, if you can knock that, you know, first phase of, you know, I call Maslow's pyramid, right? It's, you know, the, the pyramid of needs. Like if you can- <laughs> hierarchy can of healthy, needs. Right? hierarchy of needs. If you can be healthy physically, and that means controlling your weight, eating well, making sure you do regular exercise and how to do it and how to do it effectively, 
man, you've, we've knocked out a, a, a huge thing that's holding a lot of veterans back. Yeah. And, um, that's essentially why I created the programs that I have and the, the, the hard to kill podcast is just a, a, a means to act as a conduit for amazing voices in the health and fitness space, doctors, best-selling authors, et cetera, to convey what they've learned to the community. And then you can take that and build your own kind of protocol. That's that's essentially why I'm I'm in this space, and that's why I'm, I'm so passionate about it. Because I, I think your message is valuable, uh, and it and it comes from a unique angle. You know, it's not just uh, um, like the VA that you know our VA sends out uh, newsletters, and it's like, hey, here's here's yoga you can go do for online, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that's good. I'm not going to do it because <laughs> it's so yeah. imper- it's impersonal. It's just a, a veterans affair email. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds fun. But, you know, watching a couple of your videos, you you internalize it. You make it personal. Uh, you're a likable guy. You know, you're funny. Uh, you're walking around with your camera, <laughs> blo- vlogging or whatever you do. I, I, I like those. It's yeah, it's uh, can get to know you. And if you get to know you, then you can start trusting what you're saying. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's a good message. Thanks. Let's, a couple more questions. We got to finish that with the military stuff. So 2016 is when you got out. That's when you said, hey, we're going to medical you out of here. Uh, yep. God, that's 15 years. I mean, I don't know if you guys do retirements at 20 or how that works. Uh, uh, 25. Yeah, 25. Oh, 25. Oh, so you still have a long way to go. Jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sucks. But for us, it'd be like 15 years, man. You're almost there. Um, <laughs> were you disappointed? Were you going to go 25? Um, well, so that's the thing. I didn't really know much about our pension uh, at the time. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even really realize that. I was well, you weren't in it pension. for that, right? You weren't in yeah, it Yeah, I wasn't in it for that. But uh, in hindsight, so you have to do, because I was a reservist, yeah, you have to do a little bit more. I would have had to have done, I would have had to have popped over to the reg force. I probably okay. would have done, probably would have done a little bit more than 25 years to get my full pension. But that being said, I was. But you're, now you're an officer, right? I was an officer, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I was, I did have an intent of finishing and, and, you know, just having a full on, uh, regular army career as an officer, whether it was in the infantry or not, it probably wouldn't have been. But, uh, once, once I realized that, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of pissed off. I I'm grumpy. Yeah. My back hurts. My knee hurts. I didn't re- I didn't even realize that I was struggling psychologically. Oh. I just thought I was good to go. And I was just pissed, you know? So yeah. the, the the sooner the better essentially was my uh, attitude towards getting out okay and uh i i just like i said earlier i wish i had somebody kind of yeah mentor me a little bit better because i think i would have stayed in but then again it's always hindsight's 2020 when you yeah. when i look back had i stayed in I, maybe i'm not i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing now and with sure. that being said i think it was the right time uh to uh to leave and i you know, left unceremoniously. I just got a letter in the mail saying, "Hey, you've officially been released." I was I was working right. I had already had my had I had my son already. No, no, he's born later in the year. Okay. But um, regardless, I just yeah, I didn't I didn't feel it anymore. I was yeah. I, and I was purposely trying to distance myself from the military. Even my friends, I was distancing myself. And I think wow. that's pretty common with a lot of guys that are um, that are hurting. They just don't want to deal with it anymore. So I just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm a new person now. I'm teacher Dave. 
and I don't <laughs> deal with the military anymore. I deal with 14 year old boys that, uh, you know, are going through puberty. That's my thing. Now. So, um, I, which I just, isn't much I, different than much the different. boys you were dealing with in the military. Yeah. Right. And I, I say boys, cause literally I was at an all boys, uh, Catholic high school. So yeah. it was, uh, yeah. it was, it was an interesting environment to be in. And, uh, the, the switch was more abrupt than I guess I, I realized at the time. And if I were to do it all over again, I would have taken the time to just heal and be good um, and, yeah. sure. you, know, you know, eat good food, get some sun, just kind of recuperate properly. But I got back and I wanted to do it all, man. I just wanted to like crush because <laughs> I was, you know, Sergeant Dave Morrow. I just survived the war. Like I can't oh, be yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and then I was just, you know, stomping on the gas and stomping on the brake at the same time. So, um, that's just, you know, the lesson learned, uh, moving forward. And I try to pass that on to uh, any of the other guys that are coming through the military and need some, need some advice as to how to manage their careers. I just tell them my experience and hopefully they learn something from it. Now you're a very good speaker. You've been doing this for a while. You can tell you're very polished. You don't have as many ums and ums that I have. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you're also very measured. So I want you to answer this question, not being measured. I want you to answer this like you were Sergeant Dave again. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are my last two questions. What was the biggest ass chewing you ever got in the military? Oh, man. Shit. It was honestly, it was on my basic. It Was it, it really? Oh, <laughs> my God. It. I've never been yelled at like that before. And the thing was, I thought I was crushing it, right? I was doing well. It was like week three. Yeah. You know, uh, I, like I said earlier, I was, you know, I was good at PT. I was helping guys out. Yeah. And it was a drill lesson. We're on the parade square learning drill. And I remember this so well. I was sitting on the bleachers because it wasn't because I was injured. It wasn't why was I, I can't remember why I was on the bleachers. Yeah. Because usually I was in formation the entire time, but I was on the bleachers for some reason. And my buddy, Nick, just sucked at drill. Like he sucked. <laughs> he would like you'd say right turn, he'd turn left. You know, <laughs> really? like and he was always bumping into people. And so I started to laugh. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so my my section commander, Guillaume Couture, uh, who, uh, awesome dude. Awesome you dude, still remember know. his name. Yeah. Well, it's because I he was actually, uh, he was still in and he trained me in my tactical okay. casual combat okay. care when I was about to go overseas. So like we have a very small military. So yeah. once, once you get to know somebody, you, you pretty much know them and you bump into them the rest of your career. So he's an awesome dude, awesome leader. And he was watching me he was having a smoke in the smoke pit <laughs> and then i remember just hearing fucking morrow and I was like, oh, oh shit and he had a french accent too right and so he just awesome. came over and he's like get your fucking heels together and get ready and i was like what the hell's going on what the hell's going yeah, on yeah right right just chewed my ass so hard in front of everybody just to make oh, an man. example like oh. you know what if you're going to laugh you're going to pay he's like there's no laughing at your buddies they're trying just as hard as everybody else and like I, that imprinted on my freaking soul yeah from that yeah. point onwards you know like so that was a really good lesson man i remember that so well i still I, i'm nervous just thinking about it right now man. <laughs> and you're what I 19 i was 19 yeah. man i never been talking like that <laughs> yeah they're just fucking heels together and prepare for fucking chewing you know like i didn't know what to do the successful so well. uh only child sports high school star now you're getting dressed down <laughs> exactly exactly this one shall hopefully maybe it's easier um the second question i ask is what is your proudest moment of your time in service oh proudest moment of my time in service 
There's always uh, a, it, there's always a ton of them, right? Yeah, but I think hands down, it's the day that we opened up the school in Afghanistan. Oh yeah, and it was when the it wasn't it wasn't the formal ceremony. Like the formal ceremony, there's generals and you know there were you know we ate dinner and stuff like that. Yeah. It was the next day when the kids showed up and they oh, just wow. run. That, now this school hadn't been open since. 1999 2000 like it's been a long time right since the taliban took over so it was closed and so the first time in close to a decade the community has a school and the kids rushed in and we were all doing our thing on camp right and then we heard kids laughing oh man and playing and there was just a hush that came down over the entire camp and we all kind of peered over the hesco bastions yeah and we all just kind of looked at each other and just like nodded it's like yeah, this is what we're here for, man. There this you is, go. This is it. Like this is the, all the medals, everything else. That's irrelevant at this point. This this is why we do what we do. And uh, yeah, I, I haven't had a prouder moment since. That was just incredible. Man, what a moment! What a yeah. moment! Yeah. Did we get it all? I think that's. I, I think we. I, I mean, we, we got, <laughs> we, we got the big moving part. Yeah, we got the big moving parts. <laughs> uh, well, former Canadian lieutenant. Dave Morrow, it's been a privilege to get your story and an honor to talk to you today, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. I, I love doing these kind of things. And uh, yeah, um, I, I'd love to come on at a, a future date as well if, you, if you'd have me and uh, have another chat. Well, if you want, ever want to crack wise about the news, I can always uh, invite you on. We do that Tuesday nights and uh, uh, we have a good time with it. So <laughs> Cool. Keep me in the loop. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Will do. Thanks, Dave. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks. On behalf of Lieutenant Morrow, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please leave a like and a comment and share the podcast with someone else. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service origin stories. So until next time, I'm Dad. Fallout!